Honey, come check this out. Oh, wow. I know, right? What's going on? Ooh, check out this state-of-the-art 80-inch QLED 4K Smart TV. Mm. See this? It's why I started invented science. When I saw it, I knew. What was wrong with the old one? Oh, nothing. I just wanted to upgrade it. You know, like how you upgraded your phone? Or like when you bought that electric bicycle thingy wingy. Oh, yeah, right. Like when you finance the jet skis or that fancy kayak that we always use. Like that, right? What are you trying to say? Nothing. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. All right, let's let the awkwardness begin. I want to welcome all of our campuses, Hernando County Correctional, everybody online on our app. And hey, give it up for our South Tampa campus over there off Gandy Boulevard, Pastor Steven, everybody over there. Glad you guys are joining us. Yeah, we are in our money series. I know some of you are like, oh man, turn, let's go real quick. We can catch another church real quick if we hurry. Uh, Big Green Elephant is the name of the series, and uh, which is why it was so easy to find a place to park. Uh, so uh, maybe I'll explain that for you a little bit. Uh, listen, it's a hard subject to talk about. We know a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but we really think we should talk about it. Go ahead and engage the topic, really get into some of the nuts and bolts about that. Uh, it's helped a lot of people. Let me just say, last two weeks, Pastor Craig has straight killed it up here, has done an amazing job. Let's give it up, because I'm telling you, he is, He's the master of the money talk. He really is. And it takes a lot of courage to do this. And so now I'm up here. We're going to see what happens, right? So uh, he'll be back next week to close the series. And then in two weeks after that, everybody will be back. It'll be great. So anyways, <laughs> if you're uncomfortable and you're kind of maybe just you know, joining us, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to hear this. Let me just say, listen, real quick, our goals, just reduce financial stress in your life. Okay, that's a good thing, right? Uh, eliminate conflict over money in your marriage. If you're single, hopefully eliminate conflict with yourself about money. Anyway. And thirdly, really, it's just that you experience God's faithfulness when you follow his principles. And, uh, you know, just kind of getting into that conversation. Now, I just want to say this up front. We've already taken the offering. I don't need a jet. Take a deep breath and relax. Okay? So we're, none of that. We're, we're going to be good. And, uh, you know, when we talk about money, everybody's had their own journey when it comes to money. Mine started off a little rocky. My first job, I was bagging groceries at a grocery store for $4.25 an hour, making bank, right? And my dad told me, I want you to save your money. And I did, and I saved it, and then I went and I spent it all upgrading the speakers in my Geo Tracker. <laughs> now, if you didn't drive trash in the 90s, you don't know about a geo tracker. Can we show a picture of it real quick? There it is. So it's like a Jeep the size of a golf cart that's made out of Legos and trash. That's kind of what's, what it is. So if you, if you missed on that ride, you know, that was a sweet ride. So I upgraded the speakers. So now the speakers are probably worth more than the car, okay? I come rolling in the driveway, the bass drops. 
my dad is ticked. And he's like, I told you to save it. And I'm like, I did. And he's like, but then you spin it. Right. Hear the bass? Right? And he's like, he's just going to think, is there any left, Matt? Did you, is there any left from your paychecks? Well, no, but dad, if I keep working, I'll make more of it. Right? And then I can save it. But then you're going to spend it. But I have to save it first, right? Who's on first? What's on second? Like it just kept going and I didn't really get it, right? In the beginning, I thought, oh, okay, you're supposed to save it, not touch it, you know, that kind of stuff. We've all made mistakes when it comes to managing money. And managing money is pretty difficult. Now, we'll say it's more difficult if you spend all of it because that's not actually managing it. That is just called spending it, right? It's hard to give and save when you're spending it, right? And that's not really managing it. But also at the same time, some of us are so good at spending it, we spend money we don't even have. Like, watch this trick, right? I've done that. You know, we've all done that. We've all made mistakes when it comes to money, which is why this thing's so uncomfortable. But I'm not quite sure that the biggest problem when it comes to money is management. I'll also say that I'm not sure the biggest problem when it comes to money is income. Because everyone says this, if I just made more, we would manage it better. If I just had more money, we wouldn't be in this problem. Yet, 100% of all statistics show that when we make more money, we spend more money, right? And then we keep saying this, well, if we just made a little bit more, we'll start managing it, right? It's like, God, I know I'm not managing this really well, but if you would just give me more to mismanage, that would be great. It really reminds me of this passage of scripture that says this, it says, I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we run across, the more problems we see from Biggie Smalls 9-7. Every millennial, right, gone. It has no idea what just happened. That's another 90s reference. Anyway, so not, all, not actually the Bible, by the way, for those who didn't know. Just a rap song, that was a joke. Anyway, so um, I didn't want somebody looking it up. I don't have Biggie Smalls in my Bible. Anyway, so I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> Get you confused. Anyway, so management and income, I don't, I, big problems, right? We all agree management and income part of the stress that we all deal with, but I don't think those are the biggest problems. I think the biggest problem when it comes to money is trust. Trust. You mean like a trust fund? No. Trust. Let me explain. I want you to imagine someone passed away and they left you $10,000 in their will. Now, the only contingency on that money is that you have to invest it. Okay, so now you have $10,000. You have to invest it. You can invest it in anything you want. You're talking about this with a friend at lunch. And your friend is like, well, okay, I don't know why I haven't told you this yet, but my uncle is Warren Buffett. Now, if you don't know who Warren Buffett is, he's the most successful investor in U.S. history, and he's worth right now around $89 billion. Right? He's like, I'm going to call Uncle Warren, and I'll see if he can give you some advice. So he calls Uncle Warren, and Uncle Warren Buffett says, listen, I'd be happy to help you. I got, I got some places you can put that money. You'll, make, you'll, you'll do great. And since you're just starting out investing, I'm going to help you out for free. Now, it sounds good, but you're a little bit torn because before that lunch, you spent the whole day on E-Trade. And you saw all these things on the stock market that you wanted to invest in that you're kind of interested in. You kind of got excited about it. And now you're kind of torn because you face a choice, right? You really need to decide, do I trust my instinct and invest the money myself or do I take guidance from Warren Buffett 
and invest the money his way. So what would you do in that situation? Now, if you're not sure, let me help you kind of get to that answer. Here's a, here's a question. Who can do more with the money? You or a mega successful $89 billion investor? I know some of you are really puzzled out here. This is really worrying me a little bit. You're like, me? Yeah, so, no, let me ask a better question. Who's the better investor? Well, that makes it a little easier, right? You're kind of like, okay, I figured it out. The choice really is this when it comes to money. Do I follow a guide or do I follow my pride? Because nobody likes to be told what to do with their money, hence the frowns every time we get up here and talk about this every year. But it really is a pride issue. There's a guide here, and I could follow this guide, but I really don't want to because of my pride, right? And honestly, isn't that the real struggle when it comes to money in a lot of things? Now, in this hypothetical situation, let me tell you the outcome. Pride would have cost you exactly $10,000. Trust would have multiplied your money exponentially, right? Because you got this guy who knows what they're doing. Now, let's talk trust for a minute. So what, what was the point of that whole illustration? Well, the point of it is this. In reality, God wants to guide your finances. To which we universally say, uh, no, right? We, we struggle with it. Now, what does God want to do with your finances? If you haven't heard any of this stuff yet, some of you may be thinking, oh, no, he wants me to take my paycheck and lay it on an altar and burn it and, and he'll, the offering the scent of the offering or something weird. No, 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 no. God wants you to give. He wants you to be generous. He wants you to save. Okay, he wants you to be wise. And the vast majority of it is yours to spend. That's it. I mean, it's really simple. It's really not that terribly much, but we're torn. And I'll tell you why we're torn is because we have all kinds of ideas and things that we want to do with that money. Instead of that, right? I, I, don't, want to, I don't want that guidance because really, I want to trust my instinct. I want to do what I want to do. But really, God wants you to trust his guidance. And so it's a little bit of a, ugh. And I want to tell you, anything in life, pride will always make you resist a guide. Have you been out of town? Have you been on that thing where your wife is like, hey, you really should just look up the directions? You're like, no, I'm going to figure it out, right? And then you end up in some like weird woods with some chainsaw murderer coming after you all because... You can't open ways on your phone, right, and have a guide, right? You know, we have that moment where we're like, I got it. I got this. We've all been down that road. We got a little prideful. Ugh, didn't work. But let me ask you this. Just like we had talked about Warren Buffett earlier, when we talk about God and us, who can do more with the money? Hmm. Who can do more with the money? Isn't it weird that this was easier when it was Warren Buffett? Like when I say Warren Buffett, everyone's like, that's easy. And then I say God, everyone's like, I don't know. I don't know if God knows what money is. You know, we just get in this weird thing where like now that it's real, it's not as, it's, it's different, isn't it? It's different. And when it comes to what we have and what we do with it, I want to share this story from the life of Jesus because really it's always challenged my perspective on what we have, and I think it'll challenge yours in a good way. And let me kind of set this story up. So what's happening in this story where we pick it up is Jesus has been traveling around 
from city to city, from town to town, and he's healing people and bringing freedom to people, and he's, he's amassing large, large, large crowds that are following him for long distances, and they get out in this remote area away from kind of everything, and there's still lots of crowds, and it's getting late, and here's what happens here in Mark 6, verse 35. It says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, hey, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Well, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, can we pause right here? Because it's going to catch up and make sure I know, we all know where we are here. Jesus' disciples, it's getting late. We're in kind of a weird area. A lot of people have been following us. They're all away from home. Let's just send the crowds away, okay? They've spent the whole day following Jesus around, but we all know Publix closes at 10, okay? So, like, let's wrap this thing up. Let's get everybody home, get a bite to eat, you know, that kind of thing. And then Jesus says, you feed them. And, and disciples kind of, well, okay. Well, we don't have that much food, Jesus. We, we can't feed all these people. Feed them with what? And Jesus says, what do you have? And they say five loaves of bread and two fish, which is not enough to feed thousands of people. Now, it's interesting to me. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Jesus knew what they had? I said, like, I don't know, did he? I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't there. I don't know. Yes, Jesus knew what they had. So they're pointing that out because, again, it's important to understand it wasn't some guy with a box of donuts behind his back trying to fool Jesus, like, oh, no, get my donuts. I've been holding these all day. You know, like, no, no, there wasn't that happening. He knew exactly what they had. That's important to remember because I want you to hear this, okay? When God is telling us what to do with our money, he already knows exactly how much we have. Right? There's never a moment where God's like, I want to do this. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to show you the checking account. Ha ha! See, I can't do it, right? I can't do it. It doesn't have, he knows exactly how much you have. He actually knows more about it than you do because he already knows what's coming. Like he knows the situation and we can trust that God understands, okay? He does understand. But the reason why I bring this up is simply this. You need to understand that God knows how much you have because sometimes God tells us to do things with our resources that make no logical sense, Okay? You feed them. I can't feed them. What, 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 how are we going to do that? And this happens sometimes. You buy this person's coffee. Why? You give this family a Christmas. But, but you tithe. Oh, oh. Right? <laughs> you adopt a child. You become a foster parent. You give this to them and don't charge them. Well, that's just giving it away. You share your home with these folks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's just times, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. God will tell you to do things that don't help the bottom line, but seriously help other people. There's going to be moments where it doesn't make the financial sense. It doesn't re result in the increase or the surplus or whatever. But God will direct you to do things that will significantly help people. But you need to understand, he knows how much you have before he asks you to do that. Now here's the thing I want you to catch. Thousands of people 
Five loaves, two fish. This is an event planner's nightmare, right? All these people here and we're short on food and what are we gonna do? You know, they're freaking out. But now Jesus shows us why he's Jesus. Verse 39, look at this. Then Jesus told the disciples, how the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. And a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Okay, that's way over 5,000 people that got fed with five loaves and two fish. Now, what happened? You're like, whoa, 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 I don't know how to do this. Show me this trick. Yeah, I don't know how to do this. Jesus multiplied the food is what he did. He was pulling bread off of bread, and it wasn't losing bread. He was pulling meat off of the fish, and it wasn't losing meat. He was doing this. And, I mean, catch this. They had more left over than they started with. Twelve big old baskets of bread and fish that they didn't, I mean, that's way more than they started with. How'd that happen? Well, I don't know how to do that trick. I wish I did. It'd be amazing, right? But the point of this, what was the point of that? The point is really this. If you follow God's guidance in your resources, you will always end up with more than you need. We forget that part. Because we're always scared about, but God, you want me to do all this, but then I'm just going to lose it. And God always says, listen, I'm going to take care of you. You're always going to end up with more than you need in the end. That's the whole trust me part. Look at, these, look at this verse that uh, Pastor Craig talked about last week, and I'm going to add one to it. Look at uh, Proverbs 3, 5. It says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. And I'm going to add to this Matthew 6, 33, which says, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants, and then all your other needs will be met as well. Now, those are easy to read, but not easy to do, because what it's saying is trust God and don't always trust your take on every situation. What that's saying is seek him and he'll take care of you. You know what's interesting about obeying God? God always handles the consequences of our obedience. We always get hung up on the consequences and God's like, look, if I told you to do it, I'm going to handle all the consequences. But I still want you to step out and do it. God handles the consequences of our obedience. He will never tell you to jump up and then leave you hanging. And I want you to understand this about God. I want to explain it to you is that God is a guide who provides. God is a guide who doesn't just tell you what to do. He provides what you need along the way. And that's really important. God takes care of us when we follow him. I mean, guys, think about this crowd for a second. They spent the whole day following Jesus. And in the end, they had more than they needed. Because God, I mean, again, when our resources are in his hands, he can do more with it than we ever can. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. They spent, we, if you spend years following Jesus with your finances, you're always going to end up with more than you need. But it's hard for us to really absorb that. I mean, Proverbs 10 says in there that, if you, that those who go after God never go hungry. And it's basically saying that God provides who he guides. But let me be really clear about this because some people take this, get a little weird with it, 
And they're like, oh, that means that if I start giving, then God's going to start just showering everything on me. So the key to getting that 80-inch TV is to just give God his check, and he's going to give me my TV, and it's an even trade. No, it's not. That is not how it works. And I know people have done this. They'll start tithing, and they get some mystery check later that week. Okay, that happens, and sometimes God shows people that he can be trusted, but that does not always happen. Because that, that's not the reason we do this. Let me tell you what happened. When me and my wife started tithing, the money went out of our account. That's the end of the story. I don't, I don't know what else you want to know. I, don't, I mean, we didn't get some mystery insurance check. There wasn't some, you know, we didn't win Publishers Clearinghouse later that week. You know, that kind of thing. The check didn't like, the church didn't send the check back. So like, oh, you guys quit fooling. Like, nope, none of that happened. But let me tell you what happened. I had peace of mind because I knew I was doing the right thing with my money. And sometimes that's, a, I mean, that, that's really where it's at. It, it's really about a peace of mind thing. And honestly, I, want, I just want you to understand this. It's not about throwing something in to get something back. Let God's blessings be a side effect, but don't ever let it be the reason that you give. We don't give to get, right? That's weird, right? And um, we give because God can be trusted. And that's why so many people don't give. It's not really their distrust with this or that or churches or whatever. It's really just, I don't know if I trust him with this. Right? I trust him with my heart, but please get out of my checking account. That's not your business. Right? And it's a weird dynamic that we have. But honestly, it's hard to trust him because of our own understanding. Because we, we don't see it. We don't see it happen. It doesn't make sense to us sometimes. And I want to be honest, our understanding isn't always that great. We're smart people, but we don't know it all. And our understanding sometimes just gets us messed up. We just don't do the things he wants us to do because we just don't, we, we got to see all the things. We got to see the end and where's this going to go. And it doesn't work like that. Our understanding isn't that great. Let me show you why. Because like a short time after this, Jesus and his disciples get in the same situation again. They're traveling, they get in a remote area, they're being mobbed by all these groups of people, and it's been a long, long day. And this is what Jesus says here in Mark 8, verse 2. Jesus said, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? What are you talking about? Because here's the thing. You know what Jesus did? He took seven loaves of bread this time and a few fish, and he fed over 4,000 people. But that's not the point. The point of this is the disciples had just seen Jesus do this other one with five loaves and two fish. And their first response in this situation is, well, I don't know what we're going to do now, Jesus. I mean, I'm out of options. Are we supposed to fix it? We, we, don't, we don't make enough money. I mean, no wonder Jesus was frustrated sometimes. I mean, Jesus had just done this not that long before, and then they're like, what are we going to do? And Jesus has to be looking at them going, really, guys? Like, I mean, honestly, how many times do I have to do this? You know, but we're just like the disciples in this. You know, we make fun of the disciples a lot of times in Scripture because they kind of say and do these kind of dumb things like that, and you kind of go, guys, I mean, you know, right here. But we do these things too because you know what happened? They had seen his provision, and then when a problem happened, they forgot his provision. Has anybody done that one? 
right? God did something in your life and you came to church that next weekend and you were just windshield wipers doing worship. You were just, woo, Lord, yes. Oh, and just all that. And then two weeks later, something goes wrong and you're like, uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. Maybe you do what you did two weeks ago, right? Like, do you think God's like just going, you know what, guys, that's too many cookies out of the cookie jar. I'm done. You cashed out. Or does he still provide? I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, we forget. And I just want to ask this question. I don't mean it mean. I mean it to me, too. How many times does God have to provide for us until we realize that God provides for us? I mean, really? We, we are so forgetful. And especially when a problem happens, we just see the stress, and I've got to fix it. I've got to fix it right now. And God's like, I'm still up here. I'm still, I'm still king, okay? I can do it. I'm still in control. I can handle this. But, but we get that way. I mean, I love the question that disciples ask, how are we supposed to? Boy, I'm going to tell you, I bet that question has been at more kitchen tables over the last few weeks. Well, I heard what Pastor Craig said, but how are we supposed to? How are we supposed to? How are we supposed to? I mean, that's what we do every time. How are we supposed to? We can trust that God provides what he guides. If he guides you in this, he's going to provide. We just got to take that step. I know that's scary. I know that well, that doesn't make all the logical fun. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that's where he's at. In fact, I want, I want, I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you a phrase. You're going to fill in the blanks here, but you're not going to like it. And this is it. God can do more with what I have than I ever will. Oh, I'm going to say it again because I want to make sure it stings just right. God can do more with what I have than I ever will. Now, if you fill it in those blanks, wherever you're at, our campuses, everything, I want you to look down at those blanks. I want you to ask yourself inside your head right now, is that true? Is that true? And if that's true, ooh, right? Because that gets all up in our pride. Well, I'm, I'm pretty good money manager. I mean, I mean, I know God's God, but I, I mean, I do QuickBooks. You know, kind of, I mean, I get it, right? You know, I did my own taxes once. I'm pretty, you know, whatever. Let me ask you this when it comes down to money. Who can do more with the money? It really is that simple, but it's so difficult. God can take $100 and bless 1,000 people way quicker and way more than you ever could imagine. I mean, he's God. He can do all kinds of stuff with it. God can take your five loaves and your two fish that you got right now and multiply its impact and multiply its influence. It really comes down to this. <laughs> do you trust him? And what's great about God is he can do all that, and at the same time, you have more than you need. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's crazy. But what, what does God want you to do? Some of you are like, okay, uh, what does he want me to do again? Help me understand. Because, I mean, it really is this. He wants you to listen to him. And he wants you to let him direct what you have. Now, God wants you to give. He wants you to be a giver and generous in life. Now, here's what that's saying. Start somewhere and just stay with it, okay? Don't try to pay God back. Like, well, we owe tithes for the last five years. Yeah, no, don't do that, that's just weird. 
just start somewhere and go, okay? Start somewhere and go. God's not worried. He's not running a debt and go, you know, you're 400 short. I can't bless you. I'm sorry. Here's the flu. Like, he's not going to do that, okay? <laughs> you're 400 short. You know that's the flu. We've been over this. He's not like that. Just start somewhere and go, okay? You're like, well, I don't know if we can give 10%. Okay, start somewhere. One, .01, just start somewhere and stick with it. Now, God wants you to save, too. He wants you to be wise. He doesn't want you to be caught off guard. So how much are we going to do with that? What can we start with? Well, I don't know if we can start with that much. Okay, just start somewhere and stick with it. God also does not want you in debt up to your eyeballs, Right? He doesn't want you to die and then look at your kids right before you die and be like, good luck. It's a lot of debt. No, he doesn't want, I'm telling you, it causes so much stress in people's lives, so much stress. Go to FPU, get on a budget, just start somewhere and just stick with it. Just start working your way back. You're not going to get it all fixed the first month, the first try. Just start somewhere. Just say, we're just going to try this first and just try to take some steps into this and just try to get in better shape. Maybe there's something he's been calling you to do. And your response every single time is this, how are we supposed to? How are we supposed to? Can I just say this? Trust God to handle the consequences of obeying him. And please don't look back with regret on your life. You know the worst thing can happen is you look back now and go, I wish we'd done it. I wish we'd stepped out. I wish we had done the thing. You know we were supposed to do it. We didn't do it. I wish we'd done it. Don't live with that kind of regret. Trust God to handle what he's telling you to do. You can trust the giver of all good things with your things. You can. Let's be generous people. Let's bless other people. Just like the loaves and the fish, God can take what you have no matter how much it has and multiply its impact beyond what you could ever imagine. He's just asking you, do you trust me? Do you trust me? God, I'm going to give you my heart, but please, you can't have my stuff. <laughs> Sounds funny now. But it really is a tough thing. I mean, I, let me ask you, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? I mean, do you want people to say at your funeral, well, they were super stingy? <laughs> no, we all imagine that we will be known as generous people who blessed other people and I'm just going to tell you that starts now if that's the legacy you want if that's who you want to be if you want a legacy that brought life to other people you know it starts with this trusting God with not just your heart but your stuff and trusting that God can do more with what I have than I ever will I hope that's what you look back on at some point in life, when everything's about to finish up, that you look back and you go, man, God did more with what we had than we could have ever done. I'm so glad we trusted him. And that impact and that influence and all the things that God did through what you have is amazing and you'll never even know the depth of it, but it all started with one decision at the kitchen table. One decision to say, okay, we gotta get on track and we gotta trust him. What step am I going to take to do that? The choice. Do you trust him or not? It's yours to make. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to send it over to our campus pastors. Let's pray together at all of our campuses. Father, we just come to you right now. The question is trust. A lot of us 
so many times we've not taken these steps because it just comes down to, I don't know if I can just trust that God's going to take care of us if we do this, that God's going to help this, or God, this is what we need to do. And I pray that people will take a first step, whether it's giving, saving, whatever it is, that just take a first step into doing what you want us to do. God, we want to leave behind a legacy. Not because we were great managers of what we had, not because we made lots of money and no, because we trusted you. And we want our kids and our grandkids and their kids to see that we trusted you and they can trust you too. That the first step happens at our kitchen tables this week. Help us to take that step in Jesus' name. Amen.